are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. 502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw at ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy start of the high school football season. We Scott Warriors in action tonight among some other high school football teams across the state in the public school realm as well as we continue to barrel towards the start of the college football season nearly a week away from this Saturday of week zero football Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you you can see I am absolutely wired <laughs> Lance how you doing today I'm doing great Noah you you you, you okay you football's here man I I will feel that way whenever college football gets here. You ha- you get to call Lee Scott tonight, so I can imagine your hype. I'm not going to truly feel the hype until week zero, about nine days from now. People want to check out that Lee Scott game tonight or just really badly wanting some football. Check it out on our sister station, AU100, 100.3 FM. We're going to have the Lee Scott football kickoff show. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. approximately that time, and then kickoff at 7 p.m., Once again, you can listen to it on AU100, 100.3 FM, but also we've got a video broadcast, and that can be seen on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. If you've got a Facebook account, you can go and check it out there, as well as also on the Lee Scott Academy Facebook page as well. So a lot of fun things going on tonight into the evening, even after our show. Of course, The Drive with Bill Cameron follows us from 4 to 6, so get your pregame on there too you know is it continue to listen to our seven hours of local sports talk radio here on espn 106.7 and then after that if you're if you're football crazed and, and you're starving for it we've got it this evening 6 30 p.m on au 100 make sure you tune in 100.3 fm auburn football slash basketball really i should flip that auburn basketball slash football earns the commitment of trey donaldson just as friend of the program and frequent guest on the show christian clemente of auburnsports.com predicted and told us would be so trey donaldson commits to the auburn tigers currently a three-star point guard i imagine he will jump amongst the four-star ranks and climb into the top 100 he really hasn't been focusing on basketball a whole lot he's began to focus on basketball more and now you can begin to see him climb up those recruiting rankings i'll tell you I don't care if he's a three-star, two-star, four-star, five-star, 18-star. I don't care. If Bruce Pearl wants the guy, I think he's going to be good. Exactly. Yeah, completely agree with you, and that's what I was going to say about Donaldson. Again, like you mentioned, four-star safety out of Florida State University School in Tallahassee, committed to Auburn just earlier. He claims a lot of offers from several different universities in both sports basketball and football included obviously Auburn then Alabama Florida Florida State Georgia Tech really talented multi-sport athlete six foot one six foot 295 pounds number 18 point guard in the country according to 24-7 sports he's the number 20 safety nationally and number 33 prospect in Florida also according to 24-7 sports like you mentioned uh, he will most likely climb up the basketball ra- rankings. He's currently listed as a three-star right now. I can only imagine as he gets to play more, he will he will climb 
higher and higher in those recruiting rankings. Anytime you can get a guy like this, I'm really excited because you know that you're getting an athlete. You know, you know you're getting somebody that's incredibly athletic and can do a lot of different things. Now, will he play basketball? Will he play football? I believe he's going to play basketball, which is again why his uh, his star rating should go up. But will he play both? Will he play both? Is the question? Yeah, and I, I definitely th- could see him doing that. Now, now que- a question and a concern that you might have whenever you do something like that is injury, but. That's not happened. So I just want to kind of keep everything optimistic. Getting a four-star kid in any sport is fantastic. And like you mentioned just a minute or so ago, Bruce Pearl, I don't care who he brings in. I trust him as a recruiter. I trust him as a player developer. This is a great pickup. It's going to come down to what he wants to do in college And I'm not saying that he has to specialize, and I know that's a little taboo these days to say that guys have to specialize, but this is just a true statement. The honest perspective on this is it's a lot easier for a football player, a football-focused player, to join a couple of weeks or a month or so into the basketball season and be a role player than it is for a basketball-focused player to be also a football player for an entire season right because the basketball season starts in November it starts early November I think Auburn's first game November 9th somewhere around there that's typically when the season begins and that is still several weeks before the end of the regular season that's going into the most important part of Auburn's schedule as you're preparing for the Iron Bowl so I think it's more likely that we see this guy specialize in basketball like you were saying just by virtue you look at Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry over at Alabama, he's a football-focused player. But he's going to step in and get on the basketball roster or something to do in the offseason too. Will he play a whole lot? Probably not. But he's going to do it during the offseason as well. But they're okay with him doing that because he's not a key player on the basketball team. It's okay if he comes a month late. Yeah, absolutely. And then whenever you look at Donaldson, as far as like, you know, would he potentially see any time as a football player if he were to choose the basketball route? I still think you have to leave that on the table because you look at Auburn's safety position right now and they're going to lose guys like Smoke Monday here in the future. They've got depth at that spot and they're recruiting right now. Donaldson is the third safety in Auburn's recruiting class, so they're trying to pile up at that position. But I would not rule out Donaldson maybe getting a little playing time if he uh, so desired. Let's head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390 is how you call into the show. We've got Shadow on the line with us. Shadow, what's on your mind today and how you doing? Well, what's on my mind is uh, I read in one article that uh, Nick threw two interceptions. Another article said, said three. So would you set me straight? From what I know, it's two. That's where I would feel comfortable saying that i wasn't at the scrimmage media is not allowed there so you get through all these different sources former players parents of players all that good stuff about the people who are actually there but i would feel most comfortable saying he threw two shadow we had a caller call in just a day or so ago and i had somebody else confirm this to me off the show nicks threw two interceptions one of them was a just a really bad need by uh, read by nicks he bailed from a, a clean pocket to his right and under threw a route and then the second interception was a miscommunication with the receiver where nicks threw a back shoulder throw and the receiver was running a go at least that was my impression so one of the interceptions was on nicks the other one was a miscommunication but he threw two interceptions during the scrimmage Okay, well, my deal is this. We got 11 team senior offensive linemen. We got a very experienced quarterback. We got the best running back in the SEC 
why why is it that a brand new coaching staff is killing it on the defensive side and on the offensive side we still ain't got a freaking clue. I think it's a little too early to say that they don't have a clue because they haven't played a ball game yet. And also, Shadow, I think you have to look at the nature of scrimmages. They're all situational based. So you, that, from what I know, they were packing it in in the red zone and, and condensing the field and putting these quarterbacks in pressure-packed situations. And, of course, Shadow, I agree with you. It's, it's not a good thing to hear that they're throwing interceptions. But I'm just saying it's probably a little bit too early to say that they don't have a clue because they haven't even played a ball game yet. Well, look, we've been saying this. I mean, you know, okay, now here, here, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, the strength of the Auburn football team, ever since Kevin Steele has got there, has been the defense. And Am I wrong? I would say so, yeah. Okay. And and it just seems like where the, where the problem has lied for a long time. See, we ain't just talking about this now. We, we've been talking about this for a decade, guys. And and I'm just saying uh, I'm expecting, as a fan of Auburn who does not have low expectation, I am expecting great improvement in this football team, especially on the offensive side. I mean, we don't know, but that we've got a half a dozen Bob Hayes over there on the wide receiver side, but we don't know it because Auburn University don't pass the freaking ball. And as far as a tight end goes, we got 11 10 of those two, and I'll bet you right now you still can't tell me who's the best tight end on Auburn. No, we can't. That's another reason because they haven't stepped out on the football field yet. I don't even think Auburn knows who the best tight end yet is yet on that roster. Shadow, I agree with you. The offense has been a problem, or at least I agree with you in that in that perspective. But I think you got to give this coaching staff time and at least let them play a game before you you say that they're that they've got issues this year because you haven't seen them play a game yet. They're still learning a new system. And and, and Shadow also say this: they are going to throw the football more. Yeah, this is not Gus Malzahn. They're not going to, as you've said and called into the program several times, they're not going to run the ball 17 times in a row up the middle anymore. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. Well, look, guys, uh, I understand and I'm hearing what you're saying, but I have always believed a lot in first appearances. And if you've got a great coaching staff, some of the crazy, unacceptable things stop immediately and i'm just saying guys we're gonna lose a half dozen offensive linemen off this team this year so you know if we got a bunch of seniors and listen i'm i i I, listen there ain't nobody that wants to be more positive than me but if we're not willing to look at the dark side of things so we can get better, then uh, we got a whole lot of people walking around with orange and blue glasses, but we're not really looking at it realistically. Thank you very much. That was Shadow on the line with us, 334-321-1390. Anybody want to call in as well, 334-321-1390. That is how you call in. If you got thoughts on what Shadow had to say, any rebuttals to that, we want to hear from you, as well as our text line at 334-564-1840. I want to finish my thought here real quick. 
Look, I agree with Shadow and that offense has been the problem. You look back circa 2015, Auburn lost football games all throughout that stretch of time period, all the way going back to 2015 since Nick Marshall left the program and the read option stopped working with Malzahn. The issue has been on the offensive side of the ball and defense has been absolutely killing it. And if anything, the offense has been a liability for the defense and putting them out there on the football field for too long. In important games, too many times, Auburn has failed on offense. He's not wrong. I brought up the last five losses to Georgia yesterday. The average points per game for Auburn in the last five losses against Georgia is eight. Eight. Can't even muster more than a touchdown or barely more than a touchdown. So that that's abysmal. That's unacceptable. But where I do disagree with Shadow at this point and he's saying that you know we, we can't just turn a blind eye to it I'm, uh, were you at the scrimmage like give them some time they're still going through fall camp they're still getting ready for the season they can't people improve can't a team improve and I think you would agree with that I think you would agree with that statement but let them get out there on the field first before we say that they've got a problem and that's been my message throughout this week talking about the scrimmage and I think the whole scrimmage has been overblown but that's talking season that's sports radio that's the media and people are going to key in on that stuff and I'm like just give it time offensive line will figure it out quarterback will figure it out it's going to be better I I agree with you and I agree with Shadow and the fact that like you said the offense since that 2013-2014 season has not been up to standard there was a 24-7 sports article that was written it was an Auburn undercover article it was fantastic explaining Auburn's passing game and how just inefficient it has been under Gus Malzahn I can't remember the name of it but you and I have talked about it on the show before it was an absolutely fantastic article so many different numbers statistics and facts breaking down the fact that just Auburn has not been able to stretch the field vertically under Gus Malzahn I go back though and I say as well in that article um there it it was it was also uh noted that when you look at Auburn's recruiting classes under Gus Malzahn all the way up until he left their average recruiting ranking for wide receivers, like the average recruit that they brought in as a wide receiver, whenever you compare it to what was going on in the SEC during the Malzahn era, Auburn was second best in the SEC in terms of the, the receivers that they brought in. The only team that was better than them, when we talked about this on yesterday's show, I believe, was Alabama. Georgia and Auburn were t- are tied for second in the SEC. They've got really talented guys on their roster. Malzahn just didn't know how to use them. Like you said, though, Auburn's going to pass the ball more this season. They're going to be more diverse. They've talked about that in fall camp. More multiple, more versatile. Exactly. They're going to be running routes this time. They're actually going to be running routes. Nix is going to actually have to make decisions instead of just making one read and rolling to his right. Once they find those five offensive linemen, I think the offense is going to – I wouldn't say dramatically improve, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve. It's going to be an actual offense. It's going to be efficient. So I would agree with you that all, we need to wait until week one against Akron to see how this offense functions and to see if they actually can throw the football because I think there's optimism to believe that they will. But I do agree with Shadow. It's not been Auburn's strength, and the offense has held them back over the past couple of seasons. I also agree with the point. It's good to have expectations. You right. and I have had this conversation a lot off air, and you know how optimistic I can be. And, and folks out there, that there's there's some people out there that say, well, I'm going to set my expectations lower so that I don't get disappointed. 
it's like, well, you're still going to be get, you're still going to be disappointed if 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 you set your expectations for six and six and Auburn still went six and six, you know full well in all six of those losses that you're not going to be happy on that Saturday, and you're probably going to be pulling your hair out in every single one of those six losses, and probably some of the wins too because they weren't pretty, right? So like. But with that being said, you do have to be a realist. And if there's not evidence there that the team's going to be better and if the team's not going to improve, then then sure, I understand not believing that the team is going to improve, right? But I, on the flip side, I think there is evidence to suggest with this new scheme that the offense will take a step forward. They are just still currently putting all that together, and you should give them time to do so. Right, and again, the talent is still on roster. Although this year's recruiting class has not been great, and we'll get back to it uh, in the next segment just talking about where this recruiting or recruiting class is and what it will be like moving forward. It's not where we, Auburn wants it to be right now, but we're still working with Gus Malzahn's talent, and the recruiting classes that he brought in were pretty darn good. Auburn's got talent on their roster. There is a lot of talent there, and the defense is going to buy this offense some time as well. That's something else to look forward to. I'll say this. I want to, I want to pivot this onto the quarterback position real quick because we've talked a lot about the responsibilities added on to Bo Nix this upcoming year. We may not have enough information yet to draw a full conclusion on Bo Nix as a quarterback because of the previous system, right? I said that with this one-read passing scheme and, and how simplistic it was, and I'm not the one just saying that. NFL GMs are saying that scouts are saying that receivers are saying that saying that they're not prepared when they go to the nfl right that provided safeguards to prevent quarterbacks from making a ton of mistakes but on the flip side it didn't really allow them to succeed it was it was like the passing scheme was a helicopter parent right and the auburn offense was sheltered you know like that that's kind of a quarterbacks were sheltered they didn't have the opportunity to branch out and grow and I think that that Auburn's new system will allow them to do that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And again, it goes back to you can't blame it on the talent because Auburn's got the talent. The only thing that you can argue over is whether or not this coaching staff has the tools to improve the passing game. And I believe they do because that's all they've been talking about. Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Thank you to Shadow for calling in in the previous segment. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Coming up in 10 minutes, we got Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel joining us on the show. First segment called Talking Ball with Buster Daniel. We're going to do that on a weekly basis. Getting head coach Buster Daniel on the show to talk about his Lee Scott Warriors as well as we're going to get some other coaches throughout the high school football season on the show and get them to talk about what their team is doing as well. So stay tuned for all that. We love high school football here on On the Line and here at Auburn Network. Lee Scott in action tonight against Chambers Academy. Lance, briefly, let's wrap up the discussion on recruiting. Trey Donaldson committing to the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, again, Trey Donaldson, four-star safety, three-star point guard. According to 24-7 Sports, we expect him to move from a three-star point guard to a four-star point guard here within the, the coming months simply because he's probably going to be playing basketball at Auburn. That's probably going to be his focus, but very versatile guy, obviously really athletic because he's able to play two sports at an incredibly high level from Florida State University School, six foot one, 195 pounds. Auburn needed a four-star recruit, another four-star recruit in this class. They got it. They'll potentially be getting one at five o'clock. And Amari Kelly, another athlete from here in the state of Alabama, here in the state of Alabama, rather, 
Really exciting to see a guy like Trey Donaldson commit to the Tigers. I Anytime Bruce Pearl picks up a guy, like you mentioned, regardless of his star rating, whether it's two, three, four, five, fifty stars, I don't care. I think Bruce Pearl is going to turn him into a stud. Shifting gears here now to a different topic on the show. You put together this segment here, giving our SEC West Dark Horse and our SEC East Dark Horse. We got about seven minutes left in this segment. Let's start with the SEC East Dark Horse. My SEC East Dark Horse is Kentucky. I know I've been hyping up Missouri this offseason. I know I've been hyping up Ole Miss this offseason. I've kind of backed off both of those opinions as the season has gotten closer, and I've taken a look at this Kentucky offense, and I've been trying to figure out how does it take the next step in order for this program to rise out of the bottom half of the SEC East, and now they have their quarterback in Will Levis. He is a dual-threat guy. He can run it. He's got really nice mechanics, like I talked about on yesterday's show. When you watch him in practice, when you watch him on TikTok, when he's not eating bananas uh, with the peel on them, uh, he throws a pretty football. And you talk about Kentucky needing just that game manager in their offense to kind of not necessarily elevate them, but just get them to the point where they're not stalling if they're scoring consistently will levis can be that guy and i think he has the potential to raise them past that they've got really good receivers on the roster guys like josh ali wandell robinson they got to figure out how to get the, those guys the ball in space when they're not running the ball with chris rodriguez and, and cavassier smoke chris rodriguez in terms of breaking tackles and getting past the line of scrimmage was one of the best in the sec last season better than kevin harris just as good as Tank Bigsby. I mean, this guy was excellent. He was not a product of his really good offensive line, which, by the way, Kentucky has a really good offensive line. They always do. They're going to be able to run the ball, and if they can just figure out how to get the ball in space to Wondell Robinson and Josh Ali, this offense could be really, really good. The defense only brings back four starters, but I have a lot of optimism for this Kentucky team because they've been so good on that side of the ball over the past few seasons, and even when they've not had production coming back. I have a lot of faith in this Kentucky football team to take the next step. I think there's a lot of optimism, a lot of reason to be excited about that program. I think that they can get it done this season. I'm not going to go as far as to say that my dark horse will actually go above and beyond what I think that they'll actually hit because I think Missouri and Kentucky are probably still looking at eight-win seasons for them both. But those are the two teams that I'm choosing between for this dark horse position and which team do I think has the better chance has a higher likelihood of hitting 10 wins now once again I go back to I don't think either of them is going to do that but the team that I would give a higher percentage chance of getting to that 10 win or 9 win regular season mark possibly pushing Florida out of second in the east I would say Kentucky as well they're a more complete team than Missouri at this point defense leaps and bounds ahead of where Missouri's is coming into this year they may not return as many starters but they do still have some playmakers on that side of the ball like Josh Pascal you look at the offensive side of the ball it's loaded at skill positions Chris Rodriguez is one of the most underrated running backs in all of college football averaged 6.6 yards per carry last year this guy is great behind a great offensive line but on top of that he can make you miss and break tackles he's a bruiser he is another one of those great running backs joining Benny Snell and you guys were telling me about and you reminded me about Stanley Boom Williams from back in like 2014-2015 time period with Kentucky back when they started to emerge under Mark Stoops they've had some good running backs there they've had some good offensive lines the big thing that has held them back at Kentucky is quarterback play and the ability to throw the football can Will Levis do that I have more confidence in Will Levis than I've had in other QBs across the last couple of years I think the last time that I could think that maybe there's Steven Johnson 
was the quarterback is that mm-hmm. is that or is it Steven Williams I think it's I, Steven Johnson I think yeah it was Steven Johnson yeah you go back to Steven Johnson back in like 2017 and he dealt with some injuries and whatnot that's really the last time I think you can go back to and say yes Kentucky had a quarterback that could consistently throw the football and at least give them the element to be able to push the football down the field and lo and behold that's when Kentucky started getting decent that's when they started getting to you know eight wins which is where they've hovered about over the last couple of years so I trust this Kentucky team more to hit 10 a because we've seen them do it before we saw him do it with Benny Snell we saw him go to that Citrus Bowl and Pete Penn State so we, we, we've seen that before we, we can believe in something like that but then also you look at them they're just a more complete football team whereas right now there's a lot of pressure being put on Connor Bazelak do I think Connor Bazelak's a better quarterback between him and Will Levis definitely I think Connor Bazelak we could be thinking about him in my analogy between truck and trailer quarterbacks I think after this season we're probably looking at Connor Bazelak as a truck not as a trailer what I mean by that he's the he's the guy driving the team not being driven by the team and so Missouri does have that advantage but I think everywhere else Missouri's probably a worse football team doesn't it feel like Kentucky after you described them there it feels like a Walmart brand of Auburn like they're, they're playing really good defense they've had really good running backs but they can't figure out the quarterback spot doesn't it feel like that I didn't think about that like I didn't think about it like that but I I agree with that same issues same strengths Take me through the West. SEC West, this might not come as a surprise to a lot of people, but Auburn. I've got Auburn as the surprise pick. Brandon Marcella thinks Auburn's going to finish sixth. SEC media days, the polls or the uh, predictions came out by the media. They had Auburn finishing fifth. I think this team has a much higher ceiling than that, and I think their floor is 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 seven and five or eight and four. I think this team has a lot of talent on it. You look at the blue chip ratio on twenty four seven sports. Auburn sitting there in the top. I think it's eleven or twelve. They are in terms of talent. They've got they've got so much depth and talent on their roster. It's just a lot of people have question marks about this coaching staff and whether or not they'll be ele- able to elevate them to the next level. And all I'll say is this: they got rid of Gus Malzahn and this regime for a reason. They, they believed that Malzahn could not consistently put Auburn at the top of the SEC. They brought in this coaching staff to do so. Will they do that immediately in year one? I don't think it's out of the question. There is optimism to believe that will happen. So in terms of dark horses in the SEC West, I think Auburn has a very legitimate shot to surprise a lot of people, finish second in the West, ups- upset somebody like Georgia. I mean, there's so many t- different opportunities on the schedule for Auburn to go out and just to prove people and Bo Nix and this offense to prove people wrong. And ruin some seasons to, to really throw a wrench in some things to, to change people's minds on Texas A&M at six, which I'm still absolutely appalled <laughs> by that. But, you know, it's about where they ended last year. They're going to give them that respect, which I understand. But still – I'm with you. Auburn Auburn is also my selection. I know we have the same ones, but I think those are the two that people have to be looking at. Now, some people, I think the national media would say Ole Miss would be the dark horse team in the West, but I'm not buying them without that without the defense. Auburn's got the defense. The question is, can they get the offense to where they want it to be? And I, and I think the bar that Auburn has to get to offensively for them to make the improvement that, that you want to see is still a little bit lower than the bar that Ole Miss has to hit on defense for them to take a substantial improvement because once again they gave up 38 points per game last year you do that at sec play again you're going to have a similar type of year we don't really beat any good teams but you push them you 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 make them close they made them close games they pushed alabama they pushed auburn they were close games still lost didn't matter still only beat vanderbilt mississippi state and some bad teams right lost lsu so that that's the kind of the way i weigh it i think auburn's got a much better chance of hitting their bar needed for improvement 
We got Buster Daniel on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. New segment that we're going to debut here on On the Line as high school football season gets started today, Thursday, August 19th, as the Lee Scott Warriors here locally in Auburn take on the Chambers Academy Rebels in a road game to start off the season on a Thursday night. We're going to start off a new segment called Talking Ball with Buster Daniel. We've got Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel with us today. Coach, how you doing today? Man, I'm wonderful. This football season, the sun's out, the rain's gone, so we're in really, really, really good shape. All right, Coach, let's get into it. And you look at the Lee Scott football program, and you're going into year two, and obviously, and you would be the first person to say this, among some of the other players and the other coaches that last year maybe didn't go the way you guys wanted it to, but y'all have gotten into the weight room, you've gotten into a full offseason program, dive into what that looks like and you building this program and transforming it because I go out there in fall camp and I see a whole new crop of guys in a transformation guys look built guys are guys are bought in they're focused they understand more about the game take me through what that offseason program looked like absolutely you know uh, the guys that they, like you just said they bought in um they understand that, that if they want to be great down the road that they got to get put the work in and our guys have done that um, you know, we, 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 we started right after the season last year. Of course, you know, two wins is not what anybody wants. You know, those guys want better. Uh, they want Lee Scott to be better. They want to put a name out there. So, you know, they jumped in, they jumped in the weight room and, and they bought in everything we were talking about. You know, they, they've gained weight. They, you know, they've lifted weights. They've gotten stronger. They've gotten faster. Um, all that, all the above right there, they've done to, to, to turn this team around. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple of guys move in from outside and, um, bring in a new, uh, work ethic and uh, you know our, our guys that are already there they they saw how it's supposed to be done they've jumped on board you know they, they're they're pulling for each other they're encouraging each other uh, it's just a great atmosphere in the weight room right now and on the field so it's, it's, it's really good of course locally you talk about the Auburn University football program we had a caller on our show a couple of days ago talking about improvement and maybe wins and losses aren't always the best way to look at that but are the guys competing out there what does it look like when they're out on the field and you know you look at the Auburn program and I, I hate to say this but you, sometimes you see Auburn and the times that they beat Alabama they they are winning close but when Alabama beats Auburn it ends up being a little spacious from a high school perspective and, and looking at your team and looking at improvement and you got a really tough schedule to start out the year but what more than wins and losses can you look at to see improvement this year from your bunch? Well, it's, it's about uh, being a program. You know, it's about building a program. It's not about wins and losses. Everybody wants to win. Uh, nobody wants to lose. Uh, but it's about building towards wins, you know, and, and, and the things you do to get there. Um, it, it just, it's, it's, it's more about that than anything. And building young men, you know, turning them into young men, um, building character. Um, worried about what they're going to be when they graduate high school. You know, uh, we don't have a whole lot of guys that are going to play much college football. You know, so we're trying to let them enjoy what they're doing in high school now. Um, you know, try to be on a winning team. But you know, I, I judge my program, which you look at five years down the road. 
what these young men are when they graduate. Um, are they good husbands? Are they good fathers? Are they good employees? That's what we're looking at. And that's, that's more, to me, is about what your program is more than wins and losses. You know, I've never been in the Hall of Fame, never will. You know, my father-in-law is. Um, he had a lot of wins and did, did a lot of things for the um, high school athletics in Alabama, and that's not what I'm in it for. I'm in it to change lives and make a difference in kids' lives, and that's what it's all about. And you talk about leadership and digging into what these guys are doing out on the field now. A lot of coaches will say the best teams are player-led. What does leadership look like this year compared to last year? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, we've got guys that stepped up and become leaders. Um, you know, you talk about Ernie. Uh, I call him Ernie. His name is Jackson Earnhardt. Um, he, he got the guys together the other day. We didn't have a great practice. It wasn't a bad practice, but it wasn't what we expected. It wasn't up to our standards. He talked to him after practice in the huddle when we were about to break up and told them what he thought, how it needed to be, and what they needed to do. So, you know, we got uh, Earnhardt, we've got Tate McKelvey, who's our quarterback. Tate leads more by example than he does with his mouth. Um, we got some other guys that have moved in that uh, are leaders by, you know, both. You know, they're going to they're gonna show you how it's done. They're also going to talk to you and encourage you. So we, it, it's, it's, it's better this year because the guys are trying to lead. Um, coaches are still there. Um, but we just got to get out of the way. We let those guys, they lead and they encourage and they, they, they coach each other. So it's a lot better this year than it was last year because of that, that factor. What are some of the good things you've seen out of the team through fall camp? Obviously today is it's kickoff, taking on Chambers Academy. What does this team look like going into week one? Well, we're excited. Uh, I, I told, told my wife and I told everybody else, and I'm, I'm excited about this game. I'm excited to see our guys compete. Um, it's not the same Lee Scott that everybody saw last year. Uh, again, we talked about them buying in and doing things the right way, and it's, it's, a, it's a totally different atmosphere and culture now at Lee Scott. So, you know, people are going to be surprised. You know, we may lose a game, but at least they're going to know they're in it. You know, they're going to be in a ball game. It's not going to be too easy for them. On the other side, going on the road now to Chambers Academy, a tough place to play. They won the state championship last year, and what was it, 2A or 1A last They're 2A, year? They're 2A, right. Going to their place, it's a tough schedule always to start off when you got to play Chambers Academy, Glenwood, Pike. What are you seeing on film when you're scouting out Chambers Academy? Well, we haven't really seen any film. You know, they're, they're a totally different team than they were last year. Uh, of course, they lost uh, Coach Allen's son, Peyton, which was a big-time playmaker for them. Um, you know, he would run around and create plays. It's hard to hem him up. So he would he would prolong a play for, you know, 10 to 12 seconds, 13 seconds. And uh, it, it, by that time, somebody's coming open, he's throwing the ball down the field. He also beat us with his legs last year. Very, very good athlete. Um, so without him, they're a totally different team. You know, they had to rely on the running backs more, the receivers more. Um, so I think they're going to be a more of a running type uh, football team. Still got good players. Still got the same coach. Coach Allen does a great job over there. You know, he he coaches Pee Wee, JV, and Varsity all. You know, not by himself, but he he's got the biggest hand in all of it. So he's got a great program over there, um, and they do things the right way. Is which what Lee Scott is trying to get to. You know, we're trying to model that same kind of deal. But uh, they're going to be a totally different team uh, without him. But um, still going to be a good football team. But uh, Lee Scott's also a good football team. We're looking for a heck of a ball game. How bizarre is it to – and if you hop online and you, and you see Coach Allen's Twitter account, he says he's a wing T disciple, right? How bizarre is it to go on a week-to-week basis and then one team like Chambers could – and Chambers was rather multiple last year, but one team like Chambers might – 
show you a wing tee next week. You might be in the spread against somebody else. And then you got Hooper out here running the wing tee too. How weird is that to go on a week-to-week basis for a defensive guy like yourself? That's not bad. You know, I, you know, I, over my 27 years, I've seen all kind of offense you run. I've seen the defenses. It doesn't matter. Um, you got you to prepare every week for whatever team you're playing. Like you said, Hooper's going to be all wing tee. Chambers go, they can get under center and play wing tee, or they can spread out and do the same thing. It doesn't matter. Um, you got to prepare for all of it. Um, and you got to let your guys know what they're capable of. Um, whatever whatever front you're going to see, whatever offense you're going to see, you got to prepare your guys to be ready for anything. Because um, they can come out one play and run wing tee, they come back out and run spread. Now, the spread that they run, a lot like us, is a wing tee up front. You know, you're going to block the wing tee, but, but it's just from a shotgun. So, uh, it, it's kind of the same offense. It, it just depends if you got guys spread out or you're in tight. So uh, we had to prepare for every kind of offense that they could possibly run. Looking at AISA football, and you're someone who's seen it from both sides, from coaching at Opelika, coaching at Valley, and 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 unfortunately, and, and, and this honestly shouldn't be how it is, but the AISA sometimes gets overlooked in the state when it comes to high school football. Sell folks on why their butts should be in an AISA football stadium, specifically here in the area in Lee Scott's football stadium this upcoming year. Well, it's a different, it's a different skill level of ball. I mean, I've been on both sides of it. Uh, the game is the game. It's football. You know, you're going to block, you're going to tackle, you're going to do everything, you're going to kick the ball. Uh, the speed of the game may be a little different, but these kids in AISA work just as hard as the public school kids. You know, you know, it is a different game, but they're playing against the same kind of competition. Now, I would have told you not long ago that the game is definitely a lot slower until we played the Chambers and the Pikes and the, you know, the Glenwoods last year, and they're going to be the same kind of guys this year, you know. There's a lot of speed in this game. You know, Glenwood's got a guy that's been recruited by Alabama. Uh, he's a 4-3, he's 4-4 a four, four, four runner. There's very few guys in public school run like that. So the speed of the game is getting more and more into the private school sector. Um, it's still not across the board, you know, as fast, but still – football is football so we, we need everybody in the stands these kids work 365 days a year whether at least got whether they're at glenwood whether at auburn open like it doesn't matter kids deserve you go out and support them and fill the stands and let them hear you and you got a really fun home schedule too following this game after chambers academy i know you're focused on chambers but right. really fun home schedule after this three weeks after a bye week you got glenwood you got pike you got Making East, that's got to be fun for folks to be looking forward to this year because those games were on the road last year. Absolutely. You know, anytime you got a home game, is is a good game. Uh, but when you got three quality opponents coming in, like those the three schools are, hey, it's going to be some good, fun football to watch. And, you know, whether you come watch Lee Scott or Glenwood, it doesn't matter. Be in the stands and watch them because it's going to be a good show. For you guys, what do you think you guys are doing well right now that maybe were some areas that you guys could improve? Well, I think, I, I think defensively we're a little better. Uh, the guys understand a little bit more than you know what they did last year. They're running around, they're having fun, um, and that's the that's the key to playing football or any other sport. They got to enjoy what they're doing. You know, they got to have fun. Kids want to have fun today. They don't like to work hard all the time, even though we do work them hard. Uh, they like to enjoy what they're doing, but they're running around having more fun there. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, all our guys have you know this is the second year in this same offense. They've got a better grasp on it. You know, they understand. Tate's quarterback. Tate, you know, makes his reads better this year. Because he understands the whole offense, uh, we got another guy that's going to play some uh, quarterback for us, and Ryan Deering, the transfer from Auburn High. Um, they're neck and neck. Tate's probably a little bit better right now, just because he knows the offense better. But Ryan's a good athlete, and he picks up. If he's not playing quarterback, he's going to be playing somewhere else on the field. You know, both of them are going to play on defense. So I, I think the defense is having more fun, and I think the guys on offense, when they play on that side of the ball, they understand the offense a lot better. So it, it, it's coming more natural to them. 
Coach, last question to you here before we let you get out of here. You look like you're having a lot of fun out there, and you looked like you're having a lot of fun out there last year. What is it about this job here at Lee Scott Academy that's got you excited and having a good time? Well, it's a great place to be. You know, I work with great people, uh, work with great people. The kids are great. Um, it's just a great, great atmosphere. You know, we got to get the atmosphere on Friday night a little bit better, uh, get more people in the stands and yelling for these young men. But it is a great place to be, uh, and I'm having a ball right now. You know, all us old coaches are having a good time out there because the kids are having fun. Uh, they're doing things the right way, and, you know, that, that, that makes the sport fun. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Sounds good. Thank you. That was Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel previewing tonight's football game against Chambers Academy. Remember, you can keep up and listen to all Lee Scott football games on AU100 100.3 FM on the Lee Scott Sports Network. The Lee Scott football kickoff show will be starting at 6.30 p.m. from Chambers Academy as well as kickoff at 7 p.m. I'll be doing play-by-play tonight with Larry Humphrey. It'll be a great time. Make sure you tune in 100.3 FM. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. A big thank you there to Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel joining us on the program to talk about Lee Scott Warriors as they open up their football season tonight against Chambers Academy. Coverage of that broadcast starts at 6.30 p.m. on AU 100, 100.3 FM. Also, you can watch tonight's ballgame on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. That is something that you are not going to want to miss. It is, is a fantastic feed. Make sure you go and check it out. Once again, Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. We got about, let's see, we got about six minutes left until we get out of here for hour number two. And I think you mentioned coming up at 5 p.m. this afternoon, Amari Kelly, Auburn football recruit, making a decision. Yeah, um, Amari Kelly, another four-star guy that Auburn's got their eye on. Going to announce his commitment at 5 o'clock today. Um, He would be a really nice boost to this class that I believe is still 14th in the SEC, at least on 24-7 sports. You said after you looked at the Trey Donaldson commitment and you looked at Auburn's class in the SEC, they've actually risen to 13th in the SEC. Is that Depends correct? on what services you're looking at. I believe I was looking at Rivals the other day if, and if, it had Auburn at 13 already. If they get Kelly, I believe this would move them out of last in the SEC on 24-7 sports. Uh, if they're not already going to be after they factor in Donaldson. So Auburn's making, yeah, 13th, Auburn's making their way up. Let's go. I mean, like, to get two four-star guys in one day is is pretty dope, though. 6'2", 180, uh, out of Trustville, Alabama. He's an athlete. Auburn's going to probably play him at receiver. Um, Alabama and UCF are the other two schools that have been recruiting this guy hard. Think about that. Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn are the only other two guys that have been like really, really pursuing this guy heavily and have made uh, his his final cut of uh, schools. So it, it would be really exciting if we got this guy. Another segment here that I want to start off doing here with you. you you've got 10 predictions for the upcoming season, and we are going to work on some of that right here. We'll litter it out through the hour number two. We'll go through some of these predictions because we won't finish them all here. Once again, we only got like five, six minutes here left before hour number two, but I want to go ahead and get into it. 10 predictions for the upcoming season. What I'm going to do is I'm going to rate them on a wing flavor scale. All right. <laughs> some of them will be hot. Some of them will be not so hot. Some of them will be mild. Some of them will be, you know, like bare and, and not a hot take whatsoever. So I, I want some 10 predictions. Let's get into it. Break it down. All right. In no particular order, I'm just going to start here at the top, though. No no particular order, though. These are just 10 different predictions. Ole Miss will lose to Liberty. Now, that kind of sounds that kind of sounds crazy. Uh, an SEC school losing to a group of five school. But I will say this. Liberty has a really, really good offense. 
They probably have a better defense than Ole Miss does at this point, honestly. In uh, Ole Miss, if they cannot figure it out on the defensive side of the ball, I can see Liberty really, really controlling this game. And you look back at last season, what it, did Liberty beat three ACC schools or did they beat two? And then their one loss was to uh, NC State. They beat two. They beat two. So they've already proven that they can beat Power 5 competition. They've got a lot of production coming back. I can see this Ole Miss squad losing to Auburn and then losing to, Ole Miss, or losing to uh, Liberty the, the following week. Trying to pull up a wing flavor scale. <laughs> I, I like this one. I'm going to go with... I'm going to say that this is spicy garlic. It's not hot. It's not super hot, but it, 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 with my palate, it's also not cool. That's going gonna, gonna to be pretty spicy. I like it. It could also stink really bad, though, if Ole Miss ends up being a pretty good football team and could torch Liberty because Liberty doesn't have the best defense in the world either. There's going to be a lot of points, and that makes it an entertaining and spicy game. I'm with you, though. I can vibe with that. That's going to be uh, a tough non-conference game for Ole Miss, which ends up having one of the more difficult, I feel like, non-conference schedules in the SEC when you look at the fact that they're playing two teams that very well could beat them in Louisville and Liberty. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Uh, I'll if you, if you like spicier food, um, I'll give you this one for your palate. See if uh, what you think about it. Ohio State won't make the playoff. They play at Minnesota week one. That could get interesting with a new quarterback. They play Oregon in week two. That's a top, going to be a top uh, 15, potentially a top 10 matchup. They have to play on the road at Indiana. They got to play Penn State, regardless of how good or bad we might think they are. They still have a lot of talent. And then they have to play Michigan on the road to close out the season. That means nothing, but it's still a road environment against one of your rivals. And then also, they have to play in the Big Ten Championship against whoever uh, survives in the division uh, across from them in the West, whether that be Wisconsin, whether it be Northwestern, Iowa, doesn't matter. I think with the quarterback issues that they've got right now and the fact that the defense was one of the worst in the country last season in terms of passing yards allowed per game, I can see Ohio State struggling in a couple matchups this season that it seems like they shouldn't. That's hot. That is hot. I like it. That's hot, though. That is a that is a score. That may be your most scorching take on your list. Is it too hot, though? Mm, I'm trying to think of another team that would take their spot, right? And that would mean probably unless the Pac-12 had someone run the table, which I highly doubt will occur, you are going to have two teams from one conference make it or Notre Dame gets in again. And I also don't think that that will occur. And I know you don't think that that will occur either. So you're, you're looking at two SEC teams. More than likely, Alabama and Georgia would be the two that I would go with on that front. Or you're looking at, I think, two Big 12 teams. Right. And you would be zeroing in on Oklahoma and Iowa State, maybe even Texas into that bunch. I think it's far more likely that you get Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma Clemson rather than like Alabama Oklahoma Iowa State and Clemson I don't think Iowa State could get there but especially if I feel like the Big 12 would knock themselves out yep if they were to in that Big 12 title game so I don't think that that works I don't know I don't know I think Ohio State's still going to be a good football team so it's a spicy take it's hot it's not spicy it's hot like I wouldn't order that on the menu I don't do well with hot things Moving uh, moving down the list, Auburn will beat Penn State. That's some, not hot at some all. Some people may think that's hot. Some people may not. That's sweet barbecue, man. Tastes that pretty is, good, though. That is, that's the good stuff. Yeah, that, yeah that's, a, that's a dub that will taste delicious, regardless of how hot or uh, how mild it is. I, I truly believe when you look at the way that Auburn matches up with Penn State, Penn State did a lot of things terribly last season. If Auburn can pin their ears back, stop the running game, and make Sean Clifford beat them with his arm I think they can force him into a couple of turnovers even on the road in that environment I think Auburn's secondary can get it done 
I think it's a perfect matchup for Auburn. And a lot of that centers around with Penn State's offensive line. Very bad, worse than Auburn's. And, and there's a lot of statistics to show that. They only average like 3.9 yards per carry, give up over three sacks a game. They were just basically letting people into the backfield. That's awful. Auburn can at least run block, you know, and and, and against and against average to below average, uh, against average and worse on their schedule, Auburn's offensive line can protect. It's only against the great defenses that they cannot protect, right? like A&M or Alabama, Georgia, and unfortunately, you know, all three of those are on the schedule, but Auburn's offensive line could protect against bad defenses last year and against average defenses, and I think that's about what Penn State's wheeling out is above average defense, but I don't get the feeling that they're going to be just devouring off every offensive line in their path like a Georgia or an Alabama would be able to do with their pass rush. Right. Auburn will have two weeks to figure out whether or not they can throw the football at all against some pretty bad competition. I'm happy about that. I'm happy that we get two cupcake games to figure out if Bonix can really make it happen unlike last season. That's it for hour number one. We got hour number two coming up in just a few moments. We started off with making headlines. Saturday down south predicted Auburn to go five and seven. What? We'll be back. Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with the on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Intern Belichick behind the board, wearing his hoodie as always. You can tell where the nickname came from. His name's Brady, by the way, so there's irony there as well. But hour number two here of On the Line. It's been a fun show so far today. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Starting off hour number two here with making headlines. And Lance, I'm going to let you take this away. You put together the list of headlines. Go for it. Yeah, so my first headline, and I saw this this morning, Saturday Down South, Connor O'Gara, we had him on the show just a few weeks back. Every single year, he does a crystal ball series with SDS predicting uh, the upcoming uh, season for the SEC, predicting a bunch of different, uh, every single SEC teams, their win-loss record. And he has Auburn going 5-7. and seven. And he broke it down and essentially said, Auburn's uh, lack of a pass rush in a vertical passing game is going to cost them this season, and they will lose to Arkansas and Mississippi State. He has us losing at home to Mississippi State. And I just found that absolutely wild. So in terms of headlines, that's probably the biggest one for me as a fan is seeing that and going, what on earth? Like, I, I really like Connor's stuff. I love the podcast that he does. Obviously, uh, I, I like 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 his work so much that I wanted him to come on the, to the show and just talk about it. 
Um, but that's a take that I, I, I just can't vibe with. <sighs> it just gets worse and worse, right? Like it started out where everybody thought Auburn was going seven and five, and then there were some people that trickled in that were like, no, no, I think they're going to do worse than that, six and six. Actually. And then they kept reading more, and they're like, no, they're not going to a bowl game. And it's like, oh, actually, is, that's a bad take. Actually, they're not winning a game this season. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, just, there's too much talent on the roster. Auburn's, Auburn hasn't lost to Ole Miss since 2015. Auburn hasn't lost to Arkansas since 2012. Yeah, at home. I'm trying to think who else on the schedule. There's somebody else. Sting, you've got something. Have we lost at home since then to Arkansas? Oh, not at home. Sorry, you yeah, said at we home lost. At, uh, we lost to Arkansas in 2015. Yeah, that that four overtime win. Yeah, that's what I was getting. Yeah, they hadn't lost to Arkansas at Ole Miss since then. They got a winning streak against them since 2015, and then. Um, yeah, I just don't see them losing to those two squads. It's, I still think Auburn's more talented than the, both of those teams. The the people out there that – this is what really gets me. The people out there that say Auburn's losing to South Carolina, I'm like, what in the world? He has Auburn beating South Carolina. Good. Has them uh, – well, That has, makes me feel better. Has them losing – you know what? Let me just go – let me just run down his predictions real quick. He has Auburn beating Akron, of course. He has them beating Alabama State, losing to Penn State, beating Georgia State, losing to LSU and Georgia – then losing to Arkansas, that would put Auburn at 0-3 in SEC play and 3-4 and overall. They beat Ole Miss somehow. They lose to Texas A&M, and then they lose to Mississippi State, beat South Carolina, lose to Alabama. How do you beat Ole Miss but not Mississippi State? You get both those teams at home. There are folks out there like ESPN FBI that really like, really like this Mississippi State football team. I am staunchly down. I think they probably... I'm I'm getting as the season gets closer and closer and, and I dive more and more into stuff. I mean, I am more on the side of things that Mississippi State finishes last in the division than Arkansas does. Yeah, and but but here's the thing, ESPN's FBI, you bring that up, they have Auburn going seven and five, and they give Auburn almost a seventy percent chance to beat Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the same for Ole Miss, all the sixty eight point four percent chance, but like it's groupthink, Lance, it's, and what it, I mean by that is there's this narrative, and I've got a couple of communication people in here laughing about it. They've heard this word before. It's like it's just like a narrative that dominates, and out of fear of ostracization, or I, I don't know how to even say that word, out, out of fear of being ostracized, okay, you are uh, you go along with the group, right? Like you just right. assimilate into it, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, and you just hop on. I mean, that's that's social media in a nutshell. That's that's how you end up getting ratioed on social media and you end up getting 150 replies and people just hating on you. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what's going on here, I feel like, in the national media. Somebody said something like, uh, I got a hot take. Auburn's going to go 6-6 six and six this year and stink. And then a bunch of other people were like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. And then it just, it just snowball affected. And I was like, what the this is this is outrageous <laughs> yeah and, and then they doubled down on it by saying Auburn's gonna go five and seven and lose to Mississippi State but beat Ole Miss like what like come on like I understand I, if you think they're gonna have a disappointing year but at least keep a bowl eligible they'll, they'll beat Mississippi yeah. State or Arkansas and get to a bowl game and no SEC game is like a guaranteed win but with all like I mentioned earlier on the show with all the talent on roster do we really think that Auburn's coaching staff just isn't going to be able to get it done to that level this year well and, and here's the other thing if Malzahn was still the head coach nobody's making those predictions Auburn is one of five teams last year in the SEC that had a winning record in what world does the trajectory spell out to you that this team is going to miss a bowl game yep 
And here's the here's the other thing. He 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 cited both Auburn's lack of a vertical passing game and their lack of pass rush as the two things that would hold them back. I understand the lack of a passing game, but there's reason to believe that's going to change this year. It's not going to get worse. Not for people that aren't covering the team locally, though. Right. That's and the other element of it. National media is not as close to it. And then on top of that, we've talked about Auburn's pressure rate, but their sack rate last season was fourth best in the SEC. There's reason to believe that the pass rush is going to get better as well. They've got a lot more depth at that position. They brought in transfers. So I, I just I just think Auburn's the, 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 the floor is 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, bowl game. Bowl game is, is Auburn's uh, floor. Their ceiling, I believe, is is a lot is a lot higher, and I think more obtainable than a five and seven. Do you agree with that? That it's more likely that Auburn goes nine and three than misses a. Bowl you know game? what my predictions are, man. Yeah. I said eight and four is the floor, and watch out, ten and two possibly, nine and three, ten and two, or nah, I'll say ten and three type of season, nine and three regular season when your bowl game get ten and three. People should be very happy with that. I'm saying like New Year six type of potential for Auburn this upcoming year. Will they get there? I don't know. Floor though, eight and four. Yeah, I, and and something else that O'Gara cited was the the recruiting is a concern for for Harson right now as well, and that, that doesn't a, take into effect until like three or four years from now, right? And that's that was some that was my next headline that I wanted to get to is Auburn's potentially picking up two four star kids today. One of them's probably not going to play football, but he's still a four star safe, safety out of Tallahassee, Florida. Like Auburn's picking up talent, and they're out on the on the recruiting trail right now looking for some really talented offensive linemen, which is the area that they struggled. They've offered two five star offensive tackles in the last month or so and then just yesterday they offered an offensive tackle from Canada believe it or not he's from uh, he's from Ontario so they're going out there and they're uh, they're actually uh, recruiting guys like they're actually going out there and getting them and I believe Auburn at some point is going to land a four or five star offensive tackle offensive guard center whatever you want to call it the kid, name of the kid is Tyrone Weber by the way he's out of Ontario 6'5 290 pounds he's got offers from Oklahoma State Liberty Ole Miss, Mississippi State, UCF, Texas A&M, Baylor, um, a, a lot of really good Power Five schools. But Auburn, Auburn's got optimism on the recruiting trail right now. Like they're not just dead lost. Now I know they're last in the SEC, but they're going to move up after today. They're just going to continue to climb and get kids. So there's optimism right there. It, it's like you mentioned. I feel like this prediction is not only groupthink, but as you mentioned. They're not covering the team closely. They're looking more on a national scale. They're not diving too deep into it. Um, not to say that O'Gara is, is bad at that or can doesn't have the ability to look deep into things and actually come to a to a different conclusion. I'm just saying it doesn't look like he did a whole lot of uh, he or he's just not optimistic about the program. Either he didn't do enough research or he's not optimistic about Auburn as a whole. Second bullet point. Uh, uh, second bullet point. Kool Aid McKinstry landed an NIL partnership with Kool Aid. Go figure. You and I were going to talk about this on yesterday's show. Uh, doesn't Kool Aid also have? Oh yeah. Was he the one that got a Milo Sweet Tea offer, or was it? Was it? Um, was it? Was it somebody else? It was that I can't guy. remember. There was it, a, it was. It was another Alabama player that got one though. But I just think that's fantastic that Kool Aid got a, a partnership with Kool. Uh, yeah, Kool Aid got a partnership with Kool Aid. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. It, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool. It was a headline that we we failed to mention yesterday. Just ran out of time. Georgia is falling apart currently in fall camp. Their receivers are just dropping like flies. Darnell Washington, Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, Jackson, Dominic Blaylock, and then Tyke Smith, their uh, defensive back transfer from uh, Clemson, is also out. No, Tyke's from West Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry, Tyke Smith. Darian Kendrick's from Clemson. my, My mistake. But... 
they've got a lot of talent right now that is out with an injury. And then also Eric Gilbert is just not with the program. Don't know, don't know what he's doing. He's not with the program right now. All of their receiving targets, essentially, including Demetrius Robertson, who transferred to Auburn just a month or so ago, have just they're they're not out like for sure, but they're all dealing with different injuries that have either kept them out or just kept them from like really participating in practice. And it's a concern, especially whenever you're opener against Georgia's what now uh, less than three weeks away. We're counting down like what sixteen days. That's, that's really really not good. It's not a good look for Georgia. The one year where I'm like, yeah, Georgia's gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> everything begins to just come crumbling i pump the brakes they're gonna be fine i think you'll get to, hopefully none of this is too serious they'll get some of these guys back they'll 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 be fine i think they got enough weapons i think they do as well and you look at that defense i think it's going to improve significantly as but, well, but if they are required to rely on their running game and, and, and kind of previous schemes where it hasn't looked like a modern day offense previous years under jake Fromm and jacob easton if it looks like that on offense they I'm not so I'm not even willing to say that they're going to win the east if that's what the offense is going to look like if they struggle mightily on the offensive end and they kind of look a little bit like those Jake Fromm offenses looked where they would only score you know 24 to 28 against good defenses I'm not certain that they'll win the east easily I think there are a couple teams that may have the quality this year and we talked about dark horses earlier not that Kentucky will you know take the division or anything like that but i i don't think that george will have it easy if the injuries persist into the regular season and hinder them from a schematic standpoint on offense and i want to say this and i for i don't know i don't remember if i mentioned this during sec media days i want to say it because not because it irritated me i just thought it was kind of weird i asked jt daniels at sec media days what's your strength what is your biggest strength as a player heading into 2021 or I said what's your biggest strength heading into the 2021 season he said uh as a player and I said yeah like what else will we talk about bro this is what I'm here for and he he essentially said the if you go and read his oh, job interview yeah it, <laughs> in his in, in his transcript it's just he essentially said being a quarterback like just just throwing the ball to people that was essentially what he said and it did not inspire confidence in me for him as a player. Obviously, you saw the results last season, but I need a little bit more because the, the defenses he played against were not good at all. He was tearing up really bad defenses. I need you to tell me something that, that speaks to your elite ability to give me confidence that you can go out and beat a Clemson or an Alabama. Tell me something. Tell me one of your intentions. He's not going to, though. That That's coach and player speak. Just you be, know? If you'd be like, yeah, I can extend plays really well, or yeah, I have really good deep ball accuracy, and we're going to be really good at stretching the field on like seasons prior. It's like, say something. Like, ah. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Brett joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Brett, how's it going? Hey, going good. Uh, look, y'all, uh, y'all just kind of chill on this. Uh, Connor O'Gare, whatever his name is. I mean, last year he picked Kentucky to beat Auburn. He picked LSU to finish second in the West. He picked Texas A&M to finish four in the West. Just let him play in his sandbox, and he'll be okay. <laughs> That's fair. My my big, I don't have as much of an issue with O'Gara as I do just with the the thinking across national media that Auburn's going to be bad this year. I just I just don't get where the the logic is that Auburn's just going to struggle their struggle bus all the way to six wins. Right. And and like I said, like, I love O'Gara. I've been listening to his podcast and following him for about three years now. Like, I love the content he puts out. And I love the fact that he gives hot takes. This one was just a little confusing to me. Well, d please define hot takes. I mean, 
it's one thing to say something that people don't agree with, but it's another thing to be constantly wrong. I mean, come on, the the, the guy went to Indiana. I mean, <laughs> he's not a football man. I mean, come on, this isn't like a football expert. I mean, the the guy's wife is bigger than he is. Come on, we we, we won't go and take shots at that for uh, <laughs> for credentials on on whether or not he knows football. And we lost I mean, Brent. I mean, I'm he pretty sure he, he does know football because he was at Nebraska for like half a decade, or or even uh, he's he was there for a really long time. Uh, covering football and interviewing coaches and stuff like that. And then SDS picked him up. He was initially doing their Saturday tra- tradition stuff. He was covering Big Ten football, and then he shifted over to SEC. He was doing the Saturday Down South podcast with Chris Marler there for about two years. Marler now has his own podcast. Uh, Connor O'Gara currently does it with a, with one of their uh, former producers, Will. He's an LSU fan. He knows how to talk ball. He understands the sport. And uh, I think he's uh, he said some interesting things in the past that – you know, I think the the whole point of the media game is to just try and draw attention to what you got going on. Whenever you get something right, um, you know, you get even more attention. One of his takes that he had a couple of seasons ago was that Malik Willis was going to win the starting job at Auburn. And just a few weeks later, Bo Nix was announced as a starter. And obviously, that's something that he can control. If I were an Auburn fan at the time, I probably would have wanted Malik Willis to start. Looking back now, even more so, it's like, yeah, I would have loved to see Malik Willis actually get his shot uh, with the Tigers. I wouldn't. You would not? No, not at Auburn. I would have I would have given him a shot. The only reason why I wouldn't have, I don't think I, I think what we see with with Malik Willis at Liberty is not what we would have saw with Malik Willis at Auburn. But you see his potential. I do. I, I just don't think it would have been unlocked under Gus Malzahn, and I think it would have gone horribly wrong. Would it have been a higher ceiling than what Bo Nix could have done if Malzahn had stayed throughout Nix's entire tenure? No. I, I think if Hugh Freeze was his coach, yes. I'm not saying you're wrong. I get what you're saying. What I'm trying to say is put it in perspective of who his coordinator is and or who his coach is, whoever's calling the plays, whoever's drawing up the offense for him. Hugh Freeze is a vastly different offensive mind than Gus Malzahn from a passing perspective. I just think the dual threat ability and getting Nick Willis more comfortable with like option and zone read type stuff, I feel like there's definitely something that could be unlocked there. But regardless, whole point is like I like O'Gara. I like his content. I like SDS. They might be wrong on some stuff sometimes. I'm not going to knock them too hard. This one just in particular, I was just like, hold up. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, five and seven was jarring. Let's get one more here. You've got Jerry Palm releasing his way too early bracketology. Yeah, uh, Jerry Palm just, it might have been earlier today. Yeah, it was today at, at 11 this morning. He was uh, announcing his way too early bracketology. Lo and behold, Auburn's in there as a six seed. They would play Rutgers in the South Division. That's his prediction right now. Now, there's probably not a lot of merit behind Auburn playing in the South Division. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure nobody really knows what divisions these teams are truly going to be playing in until we get midway through or towards the end of college basketball season. But in terms of seed ranking, you know, I trust Jerry Palm, and I trust that Auburn will make it back to the dance this season. It's just uh, I could see them getting a little higher. I'm not knocking Palm. I think that's a very fair prediction. But I can definitely see Auburn climbing as high as a three or a two seed. I think this team definitely has that kind of potential this year. I, mean, I can see them climbing up a, a lot higher than six, but we saw Auburn make a run in the NCAA tournament as a five seed. So I, I this is one of the most optimistic projections this early in the game that I've seen from a bracketologist at this point is I think last time we saw Joe Lenardi put something out Auburn was like around an eight seed so this is this is creeping up there now now you're getting into top 25 top 30 territory with the way that teams are viewing you and so and John Rothstein's got a lot of optimism for Auburn this year so a lot of good stuff for Auburn basketball as they continue to build some traction and spin those wheels up as they get ready when they start camp and whatnot I mean there's 
we're getting into football season but basketball season is only another two months after the start of football season it's it's within 100 days i think and uh and uh, who knows if conor Aguero's right and albert does eventually you know the wheels just kind of fall off the wagon and they and go stop five for and basketball if we we still got basketball baby and there <laughs> and albert's not the wheels will not fall off the basketball program they may not they may not win 30 games but this team's going to be good let's take a quick break here you're listening to on the line Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's been a fun show so far. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. In, on, defense, or out. One of our favorite segments to play throughout the week. These were some of the leftovers from yesterday that we didn't get to. It's a variation of start, bench, cut. Start a player, bench a player, cut a player of a trio. And we're going to take a look at this from a team perspective in college football. Which team are you in on? Which team would you be on the fence with? And which team would you be out on of a trio of teams that we present to you? And we will park this out in the Big Ten in, uh, in you know, giant farmland, Indiana, <laughs> Iowa, and then Penn State. Boys, we all know how much I love Indiana, how much I love this football team. So I'm going to say that I'm in on Indiana I'm on the fence on Iowa, and I'm out on Penn State. In the order that you presented them, I will say I'm in, on the fence, and out. I'm on the fence on Iowa, and I'm out on Penn State. Noah, you and I have talked a little bit about Penn State on the show simply because Auburn plays plays them, and we've taken a dive into some of their issues last season. And I am really concerned that some of those issues will continue into 2021 I just don't see this team rebounding and getting to nine or ten wins like some media outlets are projecting them I just truly don't and when you look at a team like Iowa they're one of the most consistent teams in the program er, consistent teams in the entire country they're that eight or nine win team that you just completely forget about finishes somewhere inside the top 15 or 20 and goes on to win their bowl game in, in just ugly fashion. Indiana, I think their ceiling is really high this year. I like that defense. I like the offensive production that they bring back with Michael Penix Jr. just only being a sophomore. They've got some really cool names at receiver, some really talented guys at receiver. I think overall, when you look up and down this Indiana roster, they've got a lot of talent, and Tom Allen has got it rolling. I'm going to say, because of the optimism I have with Indiana, I'm in. Again, with Iowa, I'm on the fence because I don't know what their ceiling is. They're just so consistent, but I don't see them like falling off but I don't really know if they will be able to like take that next step to like 10 wins or w- winning the division, but I'm, I'm out on Penn State. Real quick, before we go to the phone line, I'm going to flip there with you. I'm going to say Penn State I'm on the fence with, and I'm going to be out on Iowa. You're right, Iowa's not going to fall off the face of the earth or anything. I think you're looking at a 7-5, 8-4 Iowa football team, play some of these squads well, loses to some of them. I just don't have – they're just kind of bland. They're just kind of meh. It's like the it's it's like a rice cake. I I don't know. Like there's just not a lot there for me to get excited about about Iowa. But I, I don't think Penn State falls below eight and four or seven and five. I think they're very much so in that mix. And I think that they have more potential to overachieve than maybe an Iowa does based off the talent that we can assume based off of recruiting is inside their locker room. Now, do I think Iowa's gonna uh, do I think Penn State is going to be a great football team this year? No. I, I think they're going to be a an above average football team they're not gonna be bad like they were last year but they're going to be above average i'm in on indiana though i think that's gonna be a good football team let's go to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 we haven't heard from him in a little while travis how you doing man doing good guys yeah i apologize i ain't been able to call been picking up some side jobs you know you gotta pay the mortgage that's right? right that is right yeah i just wanted to uh i wanted to go over some some of 
predictions that I wrote down, you know, my own. Uh, as far as Bo goes, uh, I don't see TJ Finley being a threat to take over his job. I, I don't. I don't think he he takes one step forward. I think he might take two steps forward. You know, Harson. He's a quarterback guy. I know Bobo's the offensive coordinator, but Harson's a quarterback guy. He runs a quarterback friendly offense. You know, with the offensive line pass blocking struggles, I think that RPO game will help him get the ball out of his hands quick and, you know, help him only able to, to make one read, whether it's, you know, giving the ball on the run or throwing behind that linebacker's head on the quick slant. And uh, I think a big thing that nobody's talking about is Tank's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I look for that to be a huge part of Auburn's offense, whether it's wheel routes or angle routes or screens. I think they're going to do some things to get him the ball um, coming out of the backfield so teams can't really focus on him in the run game. Uh, also, you know, Demetrius Robertson, at, at receiver, you know, he had a big scrimmage last week. I, I think that he's going to end up being a top three receiver in the SEC at the end of the season. And, and you know, guys like Canyon and, uh, and you know, Davion Capers, I think they're good enough to beat single man coverage if if Demetrius Robertson, you know, has to has to get has to be double teamed on one side of the football. I think that they have enough ability to be able to get open in man to man coverage. I like the te- I, I don't know if Demetrius Robinson will be, you know, a top a top uh, you know, an elite receiver in the SEC. I do think he's going to have a breakout year though. I do think he's going to be very good. I think he will get drafted. I'll I'll add to that. I, it's not a hot take. This is just a prediction. I think he will get drafted after this season yeah and uh you know last thing the the offensive line i'll, I'll try to do uh defensive for predictions uh next week but uh offensive line you know i know the talent's not there but i mean you're talking about they might start four or five seniors up front and there's no substitute for experience and if they can just if they can get it to click then i think this offense could explode uh i think the receivers are, are vastly underrated I think they got a top two, three running back in the country. I think Bo is, is good enough to manage the game. And, and it's just all about that offensive line clicking. They haven't clicked yet, but, you know, you still got a couple more scrimmages to iron things out. And I think if they find the right five and they click, this offense has big, big potential. I agree with that. I think based off of the comments, what Brian Harson had to say about the offensive line after the first scrimmage, he said, you know, they missed a few blocks here and there where they just didn't block the guy but that that's not talent that's not that they got beat as that black we said earlier on in the week that's just communication and i imagine that they would have communication issues right now because they've been rotating around they haven't found their their five yet where those guys are gonna be standing next to each other every time that they step out there they'll find it and the communication will build up and they'll be even better it's all about that chemistry yes sir thank you guys i gotta run we'll see y'all war eagle that was travis on live with us war eagle to you as well travis here on this Thursday afternoon. It's good to hear from him. It's been a little while. Yeah, and I, I wrote down uh, all four of his takes, and I'll, I'll make sure to hold on to those. And if he wants to call in next week with his defensive ones, as we get after week one against Akron, I think we should come back to him. If Travis wants to call back in, we can go, uh, we can run down him. But yeah, wrote him down, uh, keep him for the future. Go back to the Demetrius Robertson one. Did yep. you say like top three, top five receiver in the league? Yeah, D Rob would be a top three receiver in the SEC. Woo! That's hard. That is hard for me to – I think there's there's some really good receivers in this league. Got, Not saying that Robertson can't be one, but I don't know if I'd put him in an elite tier. I think he does get drafted, though. You've got Kayshawn Boutte. You've got John Mechie. Who, who would be that third guy in the SEC in your mind? I'm trying to think. I think a Georgia receiver can emerge. Traylon Burks, though, is, is the guy that you got to go with at yeah. Arkansas right now. you got Traylon Burks. 
Uh, I think Copeland can end up being a good receiver for Florida this year. I think he could have a breakout type of season. We were talking about him as a breakout player in the SEC. Um, Jamison Williams also at Alabama. People forget they have an Ohio State transfer, a wide receiver. He could end up emerging as there. There were some stories about him over the over this last week about how he's emerging as a as a competent pass catcher in that Alabama receiver room that has some real opportunity for targets for new guys outside of John Mechie. If your name is not John Mechie in the Alabama receiver room, there's an opportunity for you. Opportunity for John Mechie as well because he's the starter, but, you know, there are other guys that can step in. we got 30 minutes left in the Thursday edition of On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Thirty minutes left in the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Less than ten days away of the start of the college football season. Make ten predictions for the upcoming season. Yeah, and we uh, we've we've gotten three in the three predict- predictions uh, I've made so far, and I've let you kind of bounce your thoughts. Uh, off of those predictions, you've been rating it by uh, how spicy the take is, and you've been rating it uh, by uh, wing flavor so far. And the three that I've uh, thrown out so far are Ole Miss losing to Liberty, Ohio State will not make the playoff, and Auburn will beat Penn State. I'm going to move on here to the fourth one. Texas A&M will not finish in the top 15. No, you and I have talked a little bit about on the show about our concerns with Texas A&M, about how breaking in a new quarterback – uh, in, in a new offensive line it's just going to be really really tough for them this year I think they're a very talented team I think their defense is going to be exceptional but I think A&M is definitely going to struggle because you look at what Kellen Mond's trajectory was it took him four years to truly figure it out I don't know how long it's going to take potentially Haynes King to figure out the spot they have to go on the road in week two to Colorado and that's not an easy matchup that's not a guaranteed win that's going to be tough you have to play Arkansas in, uh, I believe they play in Dallas normally. and that, In or, Arlington, Arlington yeah. yeah. And that's always an interesting game. You play Alabama on the road at Missouri. You have to play Auburn. And then you play Ole Miss and LSU on the road. A lot of opportunity for Texas A&M to, uh, to trip up with a freshman quarterback. I think they do trip up in a few different spots, and they will not finish inside the top 15. Is that a spicy take? No, not at all. I'm right there with you. I don't even know if this team finishes in the top 25. If you want to get to Habanero on on the line, all right, I'll say that they won't finish in the top 25. I think these guys go seven and five, eight and four, somewhere around there. Well, you, you they'll get in the top 25. They'll be like eight and four. Well, you say seven and five, Noah. And my my fifth my fifth uh, prediction here is. Notre Dame finishing seven and five and finishing the season unranked. That's right, boys. My 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 hate for Notre Dame has manifested into a prediction, and I say that this team loses five games. You look at their schedule: Florida State, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, North Carolina, and I think you can fit another fifth loss in there either on the road at Virginia, on the road at Virginia Tech, at home against or at home against uh, USC. I think this team completely falls apart this season. I do not think that they are a top ten team. I think that offense is going to be atrocious with with Jack Cohn. Give me seven and five. Is that spicy? Yes. I still think they're talented and more talented than a lot of those teams. But I have said I don't think they hit 10 wins like they have over the last four seasons. 
They do that with consistency. They typically play a relatively easy schedule. They benefit from the fact that Stanford and USC have been down over the last little bit also. Teams that typically would give them a lot of trouble. They get the benefit of playing in these rivalry games where they are clearly the better team. Michigan State down, Michigan's down. They just get all of these games against teams that are down that they play every year because they're rivals, right? And Notre Dame's up, at least relative to where they were before Brian Kelly got there. But they're they're winning 10 games every year they're super talented I still don't trust Jack Cohn they they lost a lot of talent they're still gonna have a pretty good defense I think and I still think they can run the ball with Kyron Williams enough to win eight or nine I don't know if I'll go as far as to say seven and five because that's losing all the games that are like 50 50 games for them and and I I just don't think that they fail to catch that many breaks and that's where the hate comes in Noah that's where the hate (laughs) decides those 50 50 games sure your credibility gets crushed though (laughs) let's see if it happens I'm interested to see if they actually do like go eight and four or something like that I'm gonna be like I'm just I'm just so happy I won't even care if I if I was right or not I'm just gonna be happy uh moving on down the list Washington wins the Pac-12 they're currently sitting at number 20 in the AP poll Uh, a couple other teams that could potentially take it from him Oregon Arizona State Utah, I know that you're very, very high on. Look, I think this team has a really, really good defense, and I think it's going to continue to improve this season. Their offense wasn't half bad either last season. They averaged over 30 points a game. They're bringing back Dylan Morris, who was their uh, freshman quarterback last season. I think he's going to continue to improve. Jimmy Lake, the new coach there, he's been there for a year or so now. I have a lot of optimism for Washington to get back to where they were in the Jake Browning, Chris Peterson era. I think they do it this season. I think they're going to be a very good team. I'm on the fence with that. I, I don't know. I, it is what so flavor? hard. What flavor? Oh, I, I, that's mild. That That's mild. Is it a good wing, though? Does it taste good? Or is Phil it just... still predict, predicted Washington to oh, win the, well, the Pac-12. Now I feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or at least predicted them to win their division. I, I don't know if he predicted them to win the actual Pac-12, but I know he picked them, picked them over Oregon. And I like Washington more than Oregon at this point. Probably trust their quarterback play a little bit more than Anthony Brown at Oregon and I think they've got an exceptional offensive line their defense is going to be good they're very similar to Oregon in those respects I probably trust the Washington defense a little bit more than I trust the Oregon defense you compare the two Washington was a better defense last year than Oregon's Washington brings back like 10 players on that side of the ball Oregon brings back still like about half a little bit over half their starters on that side but I'm just not I'm not certain that they will take this massive leap forward from last year where they were giving up, you know, high 20s to, to almost 30 points a game to get into a place where Washington's at it and, and has clung to where they're at over the last five to seven years, it feels like. They've been a very fundamentally sound team. Have they had any superstars anywhere on the field? Not really. They've had a couple of guys that stand out and go to the league and run really fast or, or, or and get drafted high based on intangibles and whatnot, but they they haven't had just like true superstars compared to the rest of college football just littered all over the field they've just been a good collective unit and fundamentally sound that will continue they're going to be a tough out whereas Oregon I think you could say some years they're disciplined some years they're not and I'm going to roll the dice and say yes Washington will win that division I'm not certain they'll win the Pac-12 though because I love that Utah football team I, I was about to ask you then are you are you uh content with saying that you believe that Utah will win the Pac-12 then quarterback rankings in the Pac-12 one Keaton Slovis two Charlie Brewer and that guy is going to elevate Utah has when when they have not been great they've missed their their quarterback play but they've still been a tough out they've still been like a seven or an eight win team in the Pac-12 when in their losses nobody wants to play Utah they're disciplined they don't make mistakes 
They catch the football. They don't have drops. They don't commit penalties. They make tackles. They're well coached. Kyle Whittingham is undeniably, in my mind, the best coach in the Pac-12. He's better. He's a better coach, a better developer, and, and better at assembling a a, a team on a year in a year out basis where he can go from from seven to five maybe one year where, where maybe it was a lean recruited year based off of you know I mean just think about it Utah's not one of the best recruiting teams in the country but he could still assemble a team and get the most out of what he's got it's better than than anybody at doing that in the Pac-12 and the consistency speaks for itself they're going to be a a good football team borderline very good football team if they can if they can get the quarterback play out of Charlie Brewer which I, I think they will They've been missing that when they go eight wins. When they have a good quarterback, they're dangerous, and they typically win their division. They've got the defense. It was one of the best defenses, if not the best defense of the Pac-12 last year. I think it gave up a little bit less than 20 points a ball game. And then you look on the offensive side of the ball, they've got a great offensive line, give up like less than a sack a game, and they run the ball for like nearly five yards per carry. They're one of the better rushing attacks in the Pac-12. And that, that, is, that is when they have a good quarterback or not. And now they've got the QB to help them pass the ball. Charlie Brewer is going to take this team to the next level. I think they they win their division. The only reason that I have Washington winning the Pac-12 and not uh, Utah is last time we saw Utah in that spot, they choked. And every single time that Washington has gotten to the Pac-12 title game, they win. At, at, at least over the past four or five seasons, they've managed to get over the hump. And uh, yeah, I'm just going based off of history. But that all of that to say, Utah, like you mentioned, is a is a very talented team. Also, very hard for a team to three-peat as a conference champion. And that's the territory that Oregon is walking into at this point. Yep. I just, odds are they probably will not win it this year based off of those parameters. All right, moving on. I've changed this one because you said it was incredibly bland, so I've changed it up a little <laughs> bit. Initially, it was just Georgia beats Clemson, uh, but doesn't win the SEC. But now I'm going to change it to Georgia beats Clemson, doesn't win the SEC, and still makes the playoff which is what you said was possible earlier. So maybe it's a little bit spicier. So a two-loss Georgia team gets in? No, they beat Clemson. Oh, they beat Clemson. Okay. So, yeah, you flipped it. Changed the prediction to beating Clemson. Yeah, I think so. So, no, I was saying that they beat Clemson but don't win the SEC. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm saying they beat Clemson, don't win the SEC, and they still make the playoff. It's it's 2017 Alabama all, all over again. I agree with that. I, I can take that. That's not scorching for me. I can take that because earlier you said Ohio State misses – and if Ohio State misses the playoff, Georgia will be the team. Georgia will be the, the – the SEC will have two teams before I think any other conference will have two teams. Yep. So I would ride with Georgia there. My my eighth prediction, if I can find uh, the Sun Belt here real quick, South Alabama will make a bowl game. <laughs> and you and I talked about it with J.D., uh, we we I truly believe that this team has the ability. I'm 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 not I'm not biased. By the way, I do not care about South Alabama football as much as other programs such as Auburn. Right? I, like I just don't care. But I just what, think this is funny. You threw this in one of your predictions. Yeah. It, the, again, this is not this is this was not inten- intentionally meant to be a hot take list. It was just predictions. I was just coming up with ten predictions for the upcoming season. South Alabama, though, you look at their schedule. They play Southern Miss at home to open the season. They beat them last year. You go on the road at Bowling Green. That should be a winnable game. Alcorn State, you get Louisiana at home, and I'm wondering where that team is at mentally after they potentially lose to uh, Texas and they have to play Georgia Southern on the road the week before. I mean, Louisiana doesn't have a a whole lot of easy outs. You go on the road, you play Texas State after you play Louisiana. You get Georgia Southern at home. You get ULM uh, on the road. That could be an easy game. Arkansas State was not great last year, but they do have a really potent passing attack. You have to go on the road at Troy. That's winnable. 
And then to finish out the season, I don't know if South could win in any of these games, but you have to go on the road at App State, at Tennessee, and then you get Coastal Carolina at home to finish it off. But you look at the first eight or nine games of that season, I can see them getting out of that, uh, past that Louisiana game. Let's see, 3-1, and 4-1, and 5-1, and 6-1. and one. I, there, there, there are so many different opportunities for them to – to head into the final last three games of the season, like eight and one or nine and one, and, and just cruise. If South Alabama doesn't have six wins by the time November hits, they will not get bowl eligible. And unfortunately, I I don't think that will occur. I don't think that that's scorching. I'm not. I think it is almost a little bit of a stretch. Not think South Alabama will be improved, but I still don't know if that will necessarily reflect in wins and losses because they do have a tough football schedule man and you look at november i don't think there's a win in november so it really condenses the schedule for them you look in this the month of november they've got to play troy who beat them like 29 to 0 last year they've got to go to appalachian state and boone north carolina they got to go to knoxville tennessee and then they host coastal carolina for the crescendo of the season they're not winning the game in november i don't think and so now you're looking at you've got eight games to win six games and I'm not certain that they will do that considering a lot of these are 50-50 games. Georgia Southern game last year was very close. Texas State, I think, will push them, especially considering you're going on the road to San Marcos, Texas. Louisiana Lafayette, that's an L. Louisiana Lafayette's going to beat South Alabama. And then you look at the first couple weeks, yes, I think they should beat Southern Miss and Bowling Green and Alcorn State. And I think they'll definitely beat Bowling Green and Alcorn State. But so even the Southern Miss game last year was relatively close until South Alabama pulled away at the end. So, I'm just not certain that South Alabama is going to just win all of these 50-50 games because in order for them to get bowl eligible, they got to win 50-50 games. I don't think it's a hot take, and I like that you're going there because I do like South Alabama. I'm just I'm thinking more of a five-win football team this year because they won't win. They won't catch all of the breaks. So it's like a, somewhere between mild and hot. It's like a little hotter than mild. It's just like your average hot wing. Yeah, I'll go with that. It's medium. It's medium. <laughs> all right. Uh, I've got two more takes here. Miami wins the ACC Coastal over North Carolina. And I know you love that North Carolina team. That's the reason why I put this on here is to get your thoughts on it. I just think with all that experience, I think Miami has a shot at it. You look at the offensive side of the ball with Sam Howell. He's going to have to break in a new running back. He's going to have to find new talented receivers to throw to. He's getting Ty Chandler from Tennessee. The question is, is whether or not he's going to be able to perform at the level that, uh, what was it, Javante Carter and Javante Williams and Michael Carter? He will not, but I still think he's going to be good because he he was good at Tennessee despite it was being Tennessee. Is that enough, though, <laughs> collectively as an office, offensive unit, can, along with their defense that almost gave up 30 points a game, to get past a team, a veteran team like Miami? In my mind, I say no. I think Sam Howell's the difference there, though. And, and, and yes, I get your point. Losing all that production, that's tough. I would agree with you if this was like, if, if this was more of a Bo Nix like situation where you still needed your quarterback to come along a bit with those receivers. But Sam Howell has established himself as a quarterback that is a truck, not the trailer, that is making his teammates better. And sure, he, he did have the benefit of great receivers, but they all kind of came into the picture at the same time when he was a freshman. And all started showing out. And, I, and I, I'm going to choose to believe, based off of what we've seen from him on tape and on film, that he is an NFL-quality quarterback and a first-round draft pick, a top-ten first-round draft pick from an arm talent perspective and from a dis- decision-making standpoint. I think he very much so can elevate these new receivers 
The defense at UNC is what scares me. They were awful defensively last year, but Miami's in the same boat. They weren't they weren't great last year defensively either. It's two good offenses going to head to head with very easy schedules. I've got some breaking news here. Rivals portal on Twitter Twitter, NCAA transfer portal has broke some news as expected. Joey Gatewood has decided to follow former Auburn coach Gus Malzahn to UCF. He will be go- transferring to UCF. Just announced about 10 minutes or so ago. Thoughts on that, Noah? Uh, <laughs> oh, my brain. That That's not shocking. Other guys have done the exact same thing. Dylan Gabriel has the spot locked down this year at UCF. But this is it probably for Dylan Gabriel. I would imagine he's going to take the next step to the NFL has been in the program for quite some time he has a very unique skill set he's a dual threat quarterback with dual threat quarterbacks I kind of treat them in my mind almost like running backs get out of college as soon as you can before you get hurt right keep as little of of the mileage off of you as possible because you see what happens to guys like Cam Newton I think you've already even Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback but you even see last year his passing numbers took a dip and I'm not saying that that's physically related he's still doing just fine but running quarterbacks typically are run first quarterbacks and that's not what Dylan Gabriel is he, he's got an arm he, he reminds me a little bit of Cam Newton in his play style not nearly as good but but similar he's got a big arm cannon big-bodied guy can run the football as well deceptively fast for his size unfortunately those guys take punishment and that their age catches up with them a lot quicker than it does for a Tom Brady or or a, a Peyton Manning right that can go until they're 38 39 and then Tom Brady's case wants to go until he's 45 years old you know so Cam though is 32 somewhere right. around there yeah he's very young and and he's already you can see his age is caught up with him so for Gabriel is probably leaving after this year and it'll be Gatewood shot yeah and it'll be interesting to see how he thrives in the, that UCF offense I will say this um he, he's going to probably be a better fit for the American Athletic Conference in the group of five level but that does not give me a major vote of confidence that the UCF football program will be succeeding after Dylan Gabriel yep and that's not, a, that's not a slight against Joey Gaywood. I just don't think the guy can throw the football. He, he finished third in the quarterback battle at UK. And, I mean, that's – and we saw him throw the ball last year. We saw him actually get into game action and play, and it was not good. He, I, don't, I just don't think he's a very good passing quarterback. And so – and I don't think his rushing ability – I don't think he's so athletic running the football. I mean, he's an athlete, but I don't think he's – he's obviously not super fast. He's a bruiser, but – Take out the legs. He's tackleable. He's not Cam Newton. He's tackleable. You know what I mean? Like he's not an elite runner. I just he's got to be elite in one area of his game for it to work. And I'm not certain if he is an elite rusher either. I don't I don't think he showed that either at Auburn or Kentucky. Because if he did, I think he'd still be at one of those two programs, right? Maybe it'll work out of the group of five level. And I, I am a little, you know, I, I'm not shocked that he went back to to Gus Malzahn, but on the flip side, I'm also kind of like he didn't use you. He chose another quarterback. Yeah. Why are you going? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's interesting. Let's take a quick break here. We wrap up the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Just a couple minutes here left in the Thursday edition of On the Line. And it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck following us from 4 to 6 p.m. Lance, only two minutes away. For me, heading off to high school football season. I'm excited for you, man. I'll be tuning in. I'll be tuning in on my hype. I'm excited. We got one more. Uh, we got one more prediction for the upcoming season. This is probably the bland, the most bland take 
on this entire list. Wisconsin finishes the regular season undefeated, and you look at that schedule, man. It is, it's, it could happen. It could, it could. You're, you're very. I'm glad that you were consistent with all of your picks because they got to beat Notre Dame to get there. Yep. And they got to. Uh, do they play Cincinnati as well? I don't. Indiana plays Cincinnati. Indiana plays Cincinnati. Different yeah. Red Big Ten team. I think it's, the schedule definitely shapes up that way. If they beat Penn State week one, beat Notre Dame after that, it ought to be smooth sailing. That division is going to be bad. It's, that is going to be one of the weakest divisions in all of Power 5 football. It's going to be fun. You look uh, Eastern Michigan after Penn State uh, week one. Do you guys remember Brogan Roback, the four-star kid that played at Eastern Michigan? Who? Bro- the kid's name, the quarterback's name was Brogan Roback. Uh, he played at Eastern Michigan for quite some time. It was a big also, deal. Also, I, I see we have Sports Almanac uh, Lance back on the program. He was, hey, guys, do you remember that four-star quarterback that played for the University of Eastern Michigan? His name was Brogan Roback. Hang on, let me let me, let me pull yes, it up. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, actually, he's currently, uh, is he on the Cleveland Browns? Dude, you should know that if he is. He ain't going to play. He was. If he's not right now, he was for a little bit. He's not going to play. We got Kyle Laletta. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Notre Dame, Michigan, Illinois, Army, Purdue, Iowa at home, Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota. I want to throw up looking at that schedule. It's like, if I'm Auburn, like, give me that any day of the week. Like, please, dude. that That would be so awesome to play in the Big Ten for a year. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl, back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.